Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 20. Start before you're ready, right? Like, start before you're ready. If you wait until you're ready, you're never going to really feel like you're ready, and so you're never going to start. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to The Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. Each week, we dive deep into uncovering the difference between the average and the awesome. We talk with thought leaders, business moguls, health and fitness professionals, and world-class athletes as we look for the secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone. We just had an incredible interview with Josiah Smeltzer, and it was awesome. Josiah uh, is a real estate investor, an appraiser, a podcast host of two different shows, both The Daily Real Estate Investor and Multifamily Mavericks. And he's also an author and wrote the book about crushing your real estate goals called Dream It and Build It. And It's just uh, an incredible show. He gives us all sorts of golden nuggets about saving money, about paying yourself first. Definitely listen to that part. He talks a lot about about how to get into real estate and why it makes such a great investment, as well as how to invest, pull your money back out and reinvest that same capital. Really cool method called the Burr strategy. So definitely listen on that. And yeah, he just has some really great uh, success hacks, and I think you guys are going to love it. So let's uh, just go ahead and get right to it. Here we go. Well, thank you very much, uh, Josiah, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, and yeah, this is going to be awesome. Dude, I'm excited. I really appreciate you uh, you having me. I've actually listened to all the episodes on your podcast. I, I've been on a lot of podcast interviews, but I don't think I've ever listened to all the episodes of someone's podcast before I went on. And I love your podcast, man. You got to keep doing it. Awesome. Well, first off, thanks so much. And uh, it probably helps being that there's not too, too many podcast episodes out there yet. <laughs> that did help. That did help. But uh, I'm, I'm, one, I'm, I'm one, of your, one of your repeat listeners. So Cool. Well, thanks. Um, yeah. Josiah, you... You've got a pretty unique background. Uh, you're a real estate investor. You're an appraiser, uh, a podcast host with two different podcast shows, uh, The Daily Real Estate Investor and your new show, The Multifamily Mavericks. And you're also an author with a book uh, about crushing your real estate goals. Um, clearly, you're really into real estate and, and <laughs> teaching people about real estate. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of how it all started for you and and how you got into it? Growing up, I was always the entrepreneurial type coming up with ideas, you know, making something and trying to sell it, you know, starting a lawn care business, like always, always trying to figure out how I could earn money with an idea, that kind of thing. Um, And I, and honestly, it was the exhilaration of coming up with an idea and trying to put that into existence that was more thrilling than actually making the money, but making the money was great too. Cause I had no money as a child and I would just go buy baseball cards. Right. So, um, but, uh, so I, I never really school was, school was kind of challenging for me. And it wasn't that 
I didn't think the information was valuable. It's just that I didn't really find subject matter that I was super into until I was in grad school. So in undergrad, I got it. I was, I knew I wanted to do business, but you know, entrepreneurs really struggle a lot with figuring out what they want to do because it's not really in a textbook. Most of the time, there's not really a lot of entrepreneurial classes available in undergrad. It's, it's uh, undergrad really trains you to be a nine to five worker and entrepreneurs don't really fit well in that box. So I really struggled in undergrad, although I really enjoyed college and I enjoyed my friends and I was making good grades and stuff. I just struggled to really be that interested in any of the stuff I was studying, but I knew I had to get a job, right? When I got out, I was not, my family wasn't, my parents weren't going to be paying for anything, which was a good thing, right? Um, So I was like, I got to earn a living. So I got the hardest degree in my business school, which was accounting, I got the accounting degree done. I got the job you're supposed to get, one of the big four accounting firms, and went to my first job and just absolutely hated it. And it was because, you know, you stick an entrepreneur who likes flexibility and like being able to create in in a cubicle and have them work 95 hours a week, you know, basically like tallying numbers and working deep in the details on these financials and stuff. It was a terrible misfit. It's my mistake and my fault. I put myself in that, but I learned from that. I wanted to be doing something else. So long story short, left that job, went to Rwanda. I was working at an orphanage there because I've got a heart for that kind of work. And while I was there, one of my friends had just left his boss, was going to start his own appraisal business. And um, he said, Hey man, I just left my boss. I'm going to start this appraisal company out of the back of my house. Um, you were the first person I thought of. Do you want to join me and help me get this going? You know, I was in my twenties. I had no debt. I had, I wasn't married. I had, you know, it was just me. I said, sure. I I don't know. I don't know anything about this, but I know I love real estate. I know I like the idea of investing in real estate. I know this could help me learn it. Um, so I came back from Rwanda and I was actually thinking about going to grad school at the time and just ditched that idea. I was like, I'll go do this. So we started this little appraisal business out of the back of his house. We were in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I bought a house there. I started renting rooms in my house to my friend. Um, I quickly discovered that this is kind of insane, this concept that I can owe a mortgage payment of $1,200 and have three roommates that'll pay $500 each, and I don't have a mortgage payment anymore, and I get extra money, and I'm essentially living for free in my own house that's being paid off. Like That concept, like you hear about that, but when you actually experience it, like it kind of blows your mind. And then I was like, man, this real estate investing thing is like, this is awesome. I bought a house down the street um, that was going into foreclosure and the neighbor, uh, the lady right across the street came over immediately to tell me what a terrible decision I'd made and how this house was going to be a complete uh, black hole for money. And I was like, that was my first kind of like uh, knee jerk reaction scare from somebody telling me that I shouldn't be doing what I thought I should. Uh, which was like entrepreneurial stuff in real estate and uh, proceeded to flip that house. And I think I made 40,000 bucks on that. And I was like, so close. I had this idea. I'm going to go get this $40,000 cash. I'm going to stick it in a wheelbarrow, like literally with rubber bands around it. I'm going to push it up to her front door and knock on the door and be like, it worked out, you know? But I was like, no, that'd be a jerk move. I don't want to do that. But um, it was just so funny because she was so adamantly telling me like, you're going to lose a lot of money. This house is awful. Why would you ever buy this? What? And I'm like, I'm fixing this house up. It's going to raise your home value. Why are you discouraging me from this? Um, but I just, I just honestly quickly learned that owning real estate made me a lot of money and a pretty quick amount of time. 
I, I loved being around real estate because I was doing it from the appraisal side. So I was earning a living at valuing properties for others. And then I was earning income from people renting from me in my own house. And then I was earning income from flipping houses. And that did a lot better for me than my, my stock investments did. So that's how I got going. Um, and it's just kind of evolved from there. Have you, did you ever have any fears? Like when, when that little old lady yes. was telling you <laughs> yes. this is a bad idea? Yes, I did. I mean, I had fear. It's funny because looking back on it, like now, if she did the same thing, it wouldn't even phase me at all. But then I was like, well, you know, maybe she's right. Maybe I just made a massive mistake. Cause you know, I bought this foreclosure and, um, you know, I, I got in there and discovered it had termite damage and windows were busted out and it was just, it was in bad shape. And, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with, with fixing up foreclosures at that point. And I was just like, I'm just going to figure this out as I go. And, uh, I made some mistakes with it. And that, that's how you really learn in real estate investing is you get out there, you, you know, somebody said this the other day, but like start before you're ready, right? Like start before you're ready. If you wait until you're ready, you're never going to really feel like you're ready. And so you're never going to start. And I know that probably translates to what you do. Like I love watching your, all, all of your, all of your videos. And I'm like so impressed with all the stuff you do kayaking. I'm sure if you had waited to start kayaking until you felt like you were really prepared for it, you would never even have gotten out there. Right. So you got to get out there and like make mistakes and learn in a way that's still smart enough to not put you out of the game altogether. Right. You don't want to try a stunt that's, you know, that's going to be the end of you. Uh, before you're ready for it. Same, same with real estate. Like you don't want to go, I don't want to go buy um, a vacant grocery store when I've never done investment properties and like try to fix it up and stuff. Like it's too big for me, but you got to get out there and start and like learn these things and, and like fail and you will, you'll develop, you know, a skill set at that over time. And, you know, one way I failed is I hired one of my friends to, to basically manage the contractors. Well, my friend hired a general contractor who brought in subcontractors. So I had two layers of people managing the subcontractors that just cost me more money. And, um, I would go over to the house and like the, not my friend, but the guy that he had hired would be sitting over there in the front, in the driveway and folding chairs, he and his buddy drinking beer while their guys were like working on the house and I'm like, what is going on here? Like I hired this one guy, he hired the second guy and they hired guys. So it was just like, you know, but I mean, that's the kind of, st those are kind of mistakes you make on your first few deals where you don't know what you're doing and you, you learn the hard way. So, but it worked out, made good money on the thing. So that's awesome. Yeah. When, when you said like, I love how you're just like, you just got to jump in it and go. But at the same point, like for me with kayaking, that's exactly how it worked is I just got into kayaking and, and just kind of kept going until eventually I got good enough. But at the same point, I wouldn't tell someone to just like jump in a kayak and go run like, you know, an 80 foot waterfall. For sure. So where would you like for someone who's trying to get into real estate, they think it's, you know, intriguing. They hear there's, you know, there's money to be made in it. What advice would you have for someone who doesn't have any properties yet, but wants to get into real estate investing or flipping or, uh, you know, doing rentals, any, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, it's going to depend on your financial situation, right? So, um, my wife and I were big proponents of eliminating bad debt from our lives, you know, and this is going to kind of go back to your, your fundamental opinion of what good investing looks like and 
what's bad for you financially and different people have different opinions. My opinion is that, uh, not, you know, having student loan debt, having unnecessary car debt, having, you know, keeping a balance on credit cards, that's got a high rate of interest. Those things are going to hold you back from being able to create wealth through investing in things that are going up in value. Um, people have different, um, levels of risk tolerance for investments. Um, I have a pretty high risk tolerance, but that's coupled with the fact that I have no debt on anything but real estate investments. And so when my wife and I got married, you know, we didn't own any real estate. She had student loan debt. She had car debt. I had money saved because I had paid that stuff off. We paid her student loan debt off. We paid her car debt off and just committed ourselves to not, not doing those things again, unless like something extraordinary had happened. Right. So, um, and then we just earmarked the saving. We tried to live below our means and earmark the savings for investing in real estate. And the thing I love about real estate is the debt aspect of it. So, you know, like there's Dave Ramsey school of thought on things like get out of debt, stay out of debt. That's really good for some people. I think, um, it's extremely risk averse, right? So, you're not going to go into foreclosure on something you have no debt on, I guess, unless you're not paying your taxes. Right. Um, but in general, like you're not going to have a mortgage company after you, if you have no mortgage to pay. So investing in real estate in cash will make you some money, but the problem is real estate so expensive that it will take a long time to stack up enough money to go buy one property. Whereas if you put, if you put 20% down, you can control uh, $5 of an asset with $1 of investment. And that's the beauty in real estate is not only are you able to use a lever or use leverage to maximize what you're able to own, but that um, that $5 asset is going up in value based on its $5 worth of um, intrinsic value. And then on top of that, it's being paid down, but you only put $1 in. So you're getting the benefits of the $5 appreciating, the $5 being paid off but you only put a dollar in and that's why I love real estate. And that's a very simple way to explain it, but it works on up the line. You can use the same principle on apartment complexes where you're buying a $20 million apartment complex, but you're only having to put 4 million bucks in. And then that $20 million apartment complex goes up in value, you know, 4% a year or whatever. And you're, you know, like that, that compared to your initial investment is like massive. So um, and it works single family all the way up to, to multis. And that's, that's what I'm working on now is, is getting into apartment investing. But for somebody that's looking to get their first house, I would say, examine your financial picture, figure out if you're in a position to take the risk of investing and having some debt, that's good debt. I would say if you've got a bunch of, uh, car payments, student loan debt, got balances on credit cards, I'd recommend you get rid of that first. And then some people, some people say, no, go invest in real estate first. I think that's putting yourself at an increased amount of risk for financial issues, which will mean you're out of the real estate investing game altogether. So I would say like, take care of your financial house and get your, get your things in order and learn to live below your means and then take that excess that you have and even the first fruits of your paycheck and earmark that for saving and investing and things going up in value. That's awesome. I definitely, I'm a, a big proponent of that as well, where like the idea where you pay yourself first. So whatever money you've got coming in, you take a percentage of that and you put that away as like paying yourself and then yeah. take the rest of that money to pay off your, your debts and 
and whatever it is, your groceries and everything else that you, money goes towards. Because otherwise, I I, yeah, otherwise I feel like money just like no matter how much you make, it seems to disappear just as quickly. Totally. Yeah, it, it's true. Like if you're not watching where it's going, it will disappear. And you're like, oh, well, what did I do with all this money? Well, we went out and ate a lot and I bought a lot of books and we bought some movies on, you know, Amazon. It's like, where did all this money go? Uh, but when you pay yourself first, like, and you, and then you have what's left over to do this other stuff, you may feel like you have a limited amount. Well, that's actually good for you because now you're not going to go blow it on random stuff, you know? So. Right. And that money, it's not like the money that you've paid yourself has gone anywhere. You've just. No. You've just bookmarked it for an investment of some sort to hopefully yep. make more money for you. Yeah, dude, there was a there was a video on Instagram yesterday. It was of Shaquille O'Neal, and he's got like I don't know if you saw this. I think he's got like four hundred million dollars right now or something. And they said this guy was interviewing him on Bloomberg or something, and they said, "What would be your advice to 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 these young athletes coming in with these big contracts?" And he he said, "Give me a piece of paper." And the guy hands him a piece of paper and he said, okay, this is your income. And he tore the thing in half and he said, now, and he took the half and he tore one of the halves again. And he said, you need to live off this one fourth. And he said, all this other money needs to go into your savings. <laughs> and, um, and he said off that one fourth, you can do whatever you want with that. You got to pay your, you got to pay your mortgage. You got to pay, you know, food going out, having fun all this other stuff, but all this other money, you don't even touch it. And, and I thought that was awesome advice. And of course, you know, those guys have massive incomes. Um, and so like the tendency would be just to not pay any attention to where the money's going, just start blowing it. Right. And then you're like, where did it all go? Um, the same principle applies, you know, when you're making less, there is a certain cost of living that's like, you can't really get past, like you need so much money to, you know, basically get to work, you know, buy clothes, put your, you know, put your kids through school, like groceries, all that. But like, you'd be, you'd be shocked, like how much money you can save if you try to pay yourself first and then, and then take care of everything after that. So. Right. And, and I think like there's, you hear it all the time with like Hollywood actors and actresses and stuff like that. And, um, and athletes too, where they just huge, huge contracts, but they just blow it all because no one has ever told them like, save a portion of that, save a percentage. And, and why I like the percentage aspect is because it means no matter if like, you know, this month you're making a thousand dollars a month, or if you're making $10,000 a month, if you're able to save say 20%, then it's still 20% regardless how much you've got coming in, um, that's going into the bank account. So, yeah. And you know, it's, it's, um, if you can challenge yourself, like, again, this kind of goes back to like, what's good for you and your situation. But like, if you can challenge yourself to live on 25% of your income, you may be like, like take 0.25, multiply it by your income. You're like, whoa, that's not enough money. Well, maybe you need to figure out a way to get your income up or to do some tax planning where you can have some tax breaks to help you take more of that income home. Um, and that will force you to kind of have a mindset shift on your money, you know, cause it's easy to get in this, like when I was doing the nine to five thing, a lot of my money went to pay my taxes, right? Because that's just the way the nine to five thing is set up. But when I became a real estate investor and started running my own real estate business, the last two years in a row, my income has been higher than it's ever been. And I've paid zero in taxes. 
because of the real estate write-offs that are totally legal. Nothing, everything's above board. I'm doing everything with my CPA. Like we're filing all the proper stuff. I've paid zero in taxes because of the depreciation from my real estate properties, covering over all of my income, even as an appraiser. Um, so it becomes easier to live on 25% of your income when you don't have that massive chunk going out for taxes. And so there's ways to like shift your mindset on these things that can help you be able to live below your means. And it becomes much easier when you, when you take some, you know, some, some smart moves on this stuff. Oh, that's, that's great for sure. In just because, uh, I know you've got a, you've got a, a time constraint here, so I'm going to try and go pretty quickly here, but, uh, in your, in your bigger pockets interview, which if you guys haven't checked out, definitely go over to bigger pockets. I don't remember exactly what episode, but I'll put it in the show it's, notes. Uh, episode 382. There's two of them. Episode 382, you know, and 382.5. Yeah. Two episodes. <laughs> but you, you talk about the, the Burr method. Can you just explain what the Burr method is quickly for our listeners? Yeah. So the Burr method is a strategy that, that people use in real estate. And Burr stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. Okay. And simply it's, it's basically just the process of doing value add to a deal that may be distressed that you buy, um, you get it fixed up, you get it rented out and then you refinance and try to get your initial investment back. And why is this better than just going and buying something with 20% down? Well, uh, it certainly takes longer than just putting 20% down up front. But when you put 20% down and you're paying, hundred percent of what it's worth. You're just paying retail price or even 95%. You put that 20% down on a, you know, something that's priced at retail, you've got 20% equity and your money's locked in. If you were to go do a refinance, there's nothing there to refinance. You can't get any money back at that point without waiting for a while. Um, when you do the Burr strategy, I could take the same $20,000 and go buy a $50,000 property that needs 20,000 and work. So I'd be all in for 70 and it would appraise for a hundred and I would go get my, on my refi, if it appraises for a hundred and they'll lend me 75% loan to value, I've got a new debt of 75,000, which is going to pay off the 50,000 and the 20,000 of my initial investment. So now I've got my money back. I've got the property and I've got 25% equity in the property. So I've got my $20,000 back in my bank account. I created $25,000 of value in the deal it's cash flowing, which is giving me monthly profit and it's being paid off that. So the debt's going down and it's going up in value. So the Burr strategy allows you to take money like your 20 K let's say you just save, you worked really hard and you saved your 20,000. It allows you to take that 20,000 and just repurpose it deal after deal over and over and over to build yourself up a little portfolio of properties. And this is the way that like anybody can with very little can build a real estate portfolio over time that can make you millions of dollars if you just hang on to them. It's pretty cool because it's like the idea that you can have your cake and eat it too. You can, yeah. <laughs> you can buy. It's, it's I think of it as free real estate. It's free real estate, right? Yeah, so, it's incredible. Uh, you got to go. You got to go through some some chaos and turmoil to get it done. But man, it's worth it. I mean, if you could like. You know, and let's say you leave five thousand dollars in each deal you do. Well, you've got um, you've got four deals with that twenty grand. You got you, you know you got uh, you got four deals done. If you just gone and put that down on a deal, you would have one deal, and you'd only have twenty thousand equity. When you do this on on the Burr strategy, 
and let's say your appraisal comes in low on our example previously, it comes in at 90 and they'll only lend you 75% and it, it only pays 65,000 of your 70,000 investment off and you leave 5,000 in there. Well, now you've got 5,000 invested, but since it came in at 90 and you're at um, 70, you created $20,000 of value with that. So you created 400% return on that $5,000 investment. So even when you leave money in a bird deal, you're still multiplying that money at a very high rate of return just right off the right off the bat. Um, and then, you know, if you can just keep doing that, like it's it's a wonderful way to build a portfolio and also maximize those dollars. No, it really is a, an amazing strategy. And it the, the idea that you can just recycle that same money over and over is is pretty cool for sure. Yeah. So Josiah, you you've got obviously two different podcasts about real estate. You've got your book on real estate. You're clearly um, into kind of like teaching and helping people learn about it. How did you get into that? Um, so I was a college professor for a couple of years. I taught finance on the college level. I really loved it. Um, and I did that, but I, I'm big on challenging yourself to do things that are out of your comfort zone. Um, it's really why I started the podcast as well. Um, and it's, you know, doing video stuff is another, it's, it's, you know, it's a whole nother ball, um, ball of wax when you're, you're getting in front of a camera, recording it, putting it out. Like everybody gets to sit there and watch it. It's kind of like recording a song you wrote and then putting it online for everybody to listen to. Uh, you feel like, you know, people are like, people are going to judge you somewhat. You just got to be okay with the judgment they're going to pass. Um, but I got into teaching because like, you know, I, you know, not to get too deep into like the Myers-Briggs and all that, but I'm an ENFP. And, um, we like feeling like we're making a difference in the world and like helping people. And so I, I loved the aspect of like connecting with someone, introducing a concept to them that could really change their life. And I felt like this real estate stuff changed my life so much and my, and will change my kids' lives and their kids that this is something that's like really important that people need to learn because I didn't really learn this stuff in undergrad. I didn't have any classes on this stuff. And this stuff has made a bigger difference in my life from a financial standpoint than really any, anything else that I've studied. So I thought, why not, you know, start this podcast, give this information away for free. And it can also help me build my own business when I try to get into multifamily. And hopefully I can find some people that I can connect with that are doing multifamily deals and invest in multifamily deals. And like, it could be a win-win situation. That's amazing. So you, you mentioned multifamily, and I know that you've got uh, a pretty brand new podcast, your Multifamily Mavericks. Where do you see yourself going from here in the next one, three, ten years from now? <laughs> well, my my big why is to try to try to help people and make a positive impact in the world. And that sounds very general, but like I have I have things in my mind that I'd like to do. Like I mentioned, you know, being involved in the the work at the orphanage in Rwanda. You know, I've I've kind of daydreamed on like being able to to go into places that have issues with, you know, orphans and and kids that aren't being educated and like help meet that need. Uh, my parents started a hospital and a school in Tanzania, and I lived in uh, East Africa when I was younger for a year. And I, you know, I made friends with the local kids in the village. Like I saw where they lived, you know, and I and you know, we didn't have running water, electric, or we didn't have, um, hot water or air conditioning in our house. It was like concrete block, pretty, pretty low standard of living, but our house was like a hundred times better than all these other kids. And, and we didn't have, like, I couldn't drink out of the tap, right. It would, you get sick. And it like, to me, like we, we hit the lottery just being born into the U S like, 
And then like I hit the lottery again that my parents stayed together, raised me, educated me. Um, and so like, I almost view it as like, I have an obligation to try to go take the things that have been given to me and help other people. And I view real estate since I can going back to that example of own $5 of an asset with $1, I can leverage what I have to maximize the outcome and then take that outcome and try to go help as many people as I can. So I, that's just how I, f I feel like I'll feel good about my life. So I don't know if that's directly answering your question or not, but, um, but yeah, that's why I'm doing it. That's, that's awesome. I, I, one, I love that. And two can definitely relate to, you know, being over in Africa. We were hoping to, we've spent a, a fair amount of time there just paddling on the white Nile and stuff like that over the years with my wife. And we were hoping to take our kids there, uh, this winter, but the whole COVID thing has, has kind of canceled that. But I think it's just for me, such an eye-opening experience to be able to go over there and learn, come home and then just learn, you know, how, how good we have it here. Uh, no matter what, yeah. what's going on here in the States, like it just, it's so much better than other places in the world. And so just to be grateful for what you have is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. D did I see you, um, post, uh, video of like paddling around the, the, uh, Victoria falls and the Zambezi, or was that, did I remember that? Is that, have you, have you yeah. been over there and kayak that area? Yep. Yeah. That's the, awesome. The Zamb I, I went to, I went to Vic falls when I was you know living over there and I was like, Whoa, this is insane. It's gorgeous for sure. It's actually like the Zambezi is one of my most favorite rivers of all time. And, uh, I was again, hoping to go there this winter, but I think everything's yeah. going to be kind of shut down, but yeah, there's a, uh, there's a dam that's being built on it right now. And so I'm not sure how much longer we'll have to go paddle it. So I definitely mm. want to get back there and paddle that amazing whitewater, uh, before wow. it's all gone for sure. That's crazy, man. That That's awesome. I love it. I gotta um, see some videos of that if you go. I will for sure. Josiah, I know, uh, again, we've got some, some time restrictions, so I'm going to try and move on pretty quickly. Yeah, um, sure, sure. but we've got, I'm going to take you over to our favorite five where we ask, uh, each guest, these same five questions, and I'm just going to fire these off at you. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So my first one is, do you have an inspirational quote that you live by? I feel like I have a number of them. Um, you know, I mean, I, I guess this comes from a faith standpoint, but it's like, you know, do to others, you know, as you want people to do to you, just like the golden rule. Like I, it seems pretty simple, but man, it's a lot of people don't operate by that. You know, it's kind of sad, but, um, like I just try to think like, you know, if somebody cuts me off in traffic or like, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt and try to see things from their perspective before I just lose it, you know? Um, and it seems like a lot of times, like, you know, if, if we would just like maybe give this somebody the benefit of the doubt that, um, maybe their intentions weren't, you know, malicious, like you might not be so quick to blow up. It's something I'm definitely working on. Um, another, another one is, is just start before you're ready. I mean, starting before you're ready is I think the key, especially in real estate investing, I don't think you need to take that to an extreme, like I said, and, and just go do something stupid, but you also need to kind of operate on the edge of your comfort zone and kind of push yourself constantly to move outside of what you know and are comfortable with, because that's where the growth occurs. And I don't know any really successful real estate investors who haven't pushed themselves and it applies with what you're doing 
um, kayaking as well. Like, you know, like the guys you probably look up to probably aren't operating in their comfort zone. They're probably constantly pushing the envelope and like, there's a balance there. Right. But, um, you can do it in a wise and healthy way that helps you grow while also, you know, is, is sustainable and like, you know, repeatable. So, um, yeah, I would say those two are, are good places to start on just like quotes and stuff. That's amazing. I think sometimes from your first one, definitely the, the simple things, you know, can be the most important in life for sure. And yeah. as, as far as getting outside of your comfort zone, um, I just, I regularly try to remind myself to do something every day that scares me. I love that. If not, I feel like I'm not, I'm not pushing for that, you know, outside of that comfort zone, but I love that. Yeah. Um, do you have any, any lessons that you've learned, uh, from any past mistakes? Oh man. I feel like that's, I feel like that's the only way I learned. <laughs> so, um, do you want a real estate uh, mistake? Do you want a personal development mistake or what, uh, anything, Man, I mean, I I would I talked about this earlier, but like a massive mistake I made was going into a profession that I was not into, remotely interested in, um, and I did it because it was what the conventional wisdom said to do. Which, you know, I and I've I heard this saying uh, to paraphrase like Warren Buffett said, you know, if you look and everyone's going one direction, you should probably consider going the other. And the more I've like examined that and applied that to my life, the more I've found that that's like so true. Um, when I started building this investment property portfolio, everybody was saying that the market was overheated, that it was too late. And I turn around and we've got 30% equity in all our properties. We've got a $4 million portfolio of properties in great neighborhoods and they're fully rented during COVID. We didn't have one person miss a payment you know, and you read in the news that the real estate market is just imploding and the sky is falling and all this other stuff. And like, it's not connecting with reality in my situation. So, you know, I made a big mistake going into accounting thinking like, I'm just going to do this because I can make a living, but my heart's not in it. So I would challenge everyone like, you know, find something you're passionate about that you can also make money at and don't compromise on that. It's a lot better to make you know, 40 grand a year doing something you love than a hundred thousand dollars a year doing something you hate, you know, it's way better. So, because you have a limited amount of time on earth and like, you can't put a, a price tag on just enjoying your life. So that would definitely be one. Another one is not thinking big enough soon enough on real estate. Like, and that's why I'm now so focused on buying apartments is the same Burr strategy principle applies to a $40,000 Burr deal as a $4 million Burr deal with an apartment. It's the same exact principles, same math. In fact, it actually gets easier the larger you get because now you can have professional management involved that after you execute on your strategy, they manage the thing for you and you you just monitor and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. So it, it can get easier as you get bigger, surprisingly. That's amazing. I think I, I think I need to dream bigger. I already think I dream big, but I, I should probably, you know, push myself to dream bigger for sure. Yeah. Great advice. Um, so I, I'm personally a, a big reader. Do you have any books that you're currently reading or any, any favorite books you'd like to share with us? Yes. Yes. Um, let's see. Here's one I just started. Um, this it's called man's search for meaning. It was on your last one. Yeah. Victor Frankel. I actually just got it in the mail. I'm about to start I'm really it. Loving, yeah, I'm really loving that. Um, 
Another one that really made a big impact on me was The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. Um, so I would definitely check that out. And um, there's a book by Marcus Aurelius uh, called Meditations. It is incredible. I mean, I read it every year. I highly recommend that you get that and get the version that's been basically rewritten into like our modern language because the old school one is like, <laughs> you almost can't understand what they're saying. So, but you can find the the updated version on Amazon and stuff and it's like 10 bucks, but it's a great book. Awesome. I'll definitely yeah. be checking, checking those all out. Um, what do you consider one of your most awesome experiences, Josiah? Oh, I mean, you're probably gonna get this answer a lot, but you know, getting married and then the birth of my children was, was just incredible. And like, you know, the funny thing about when your child is born, it's emotional experience, but like, as you get to know your kids, as they grow up, like you look back on that, it's even more important and valuable to you. And it's the same with getting married, right? Like it's a great experience while you're going through it, but it's almost hard to remember because it goes so fast. But then like, as you spend time with your spouse over time, like you start really looking back on that as like an awesome thing. So those two experiences were really good. You know, like as a business professional, I would say just making the jump to cut off my nine to five and start my own business because it, you know, all the, all the guaranteed income is out the door and it's like, you're just on your own and just making that commitment and doing that and it working out. Like nobody's standing there, you know, clapping for you or celebrating that for you or anything, but man, it feels good to know that like, you know, you don't have to, you can wake up when you want to wake up. You can go to your kid's activity when you want to go. You can, you can fire a client that's being too difficult. Like just being able to kind of go your own way and do your own thing. Like I cannot put a, a value on that for me. That's incredible. There, There's something to be said for sure about, um, just being proud of your own accomplishments, like, or accomplishments, like re regardless if anybody is even aware, just being able yeah. to like, say you're going to do something and then prove to yourself that you did it is it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got one more here. Um, Josiah, if you could go back in time, any, any time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? It would probably be to think bigger sooner. Um, like, you know, when I was coming out of college, 21 years old, I was thinking about where am I going to have, a, how am I going to come up with enough money to pay my bills? Um, instead of thinking about how can I, how can I go ahead and, and buy my first rental property and then buy a fourplex and then buy an eightplex and then buy, you know, and then get a hundred unit apartment complex. Like if I'd been thinking like that back then, I would be light years ahead of where I am right now with my portfolio. And it's, it's not all about, it's of course not all about the money. It's the concept. It's the principle that I'm trying to stress here is that like massive growth is just on the other side of your mindset shift. So it would be advising myself to think bigger sooner. That's amazing. My, my last question, Josiah, for you today is what is your definition of awesome? Man, I think I know it when I see it. It's hard to put into words, but I think it's when a barrier is broken or an obstacle that's really hung over your head or in your way is broken through. Um and I think it's I think it's also observing someone or something operating at an exceptional level of excellence. Like like when I think, when I think of awesome, 
I, I and I think of a professional, I automatically think about Michael Jordan, right? Dude is awesome. Like in the playoffs, he played his best basketball. Um, when the game was on the line, they gave him the ball. It didn't always make the shot, but he made the shot most of the time. The dude shot like 97% from the free throw line. He was on the defensive, all, you know, the all defensive team for the league. Like everything about the guy in basketball was awesome, you know? And it's like, I think like he was extremely talented to start with, but I always think about Michael Jordan because he worked really hard and he had this mental, he had this mental commitment towards being the very best he could be at what he was doing. And that to me is awesome. So it applies to every, every aspect of work, you know, whether you're in real estate or kayaking or whatever, it's like your commitment to excellence and disregarding what everyone else says is good. And you going for the, the very best, like that to me is awesome. That's, that's cool. Have, have you watched uh, the, the series, the last dance? Oh, of course. You know, I, I'm, I think I need to rewatch it. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the midst of it right now. And it, it I mean, gosh, it's incredible to watch my so good. Yeah. So good. So that good. is awesome. Josiah, thank you so very much for coming on and dropping all these nuggets of gold for all of our listeners. Um, where's the best way for people to go and connect with you? Yeah, you can connect with me on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor. Um, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, on my Instagram, I've got a link. And you can find my podcast, both podcasts. Um, my real estate podcast that's just ge- uh, generally about real estate deals is The Daily Real Estate Investor, and it's on Apple and Spotify and all that. And then the new one I've launched, which is specifically on multifamily, is called The Multifamily Mavericks. And then I'd love for you to check out my book if you find that to be interesting. It's called Dream It and Build It, How to Crush Your Real Estate Investing Goals. And you can get that on Amazon and uh, digital or if you want a physical copy, it's there. Awesome. Uh, Everybody, thank you guys uh, for listening. Thank you, Josiah, for coming on with us. Thank you. This has been incredible. Please, uh, if you guys are interested in real estate, go check out Josiah's podcast, The Daily Real Estate Investor. And if you're thinking big enough after this podcast, definitely check out his multifamily Mavericks as well. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna push myself to dream bigger and, and listen to more of those episodes as well, as well as check out his book. It's, uh, it's incredible. So again, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Josiah, for coming on. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please go ahead and do so. And feel free to share this with someone that you think uh, might need to dream a little bit bigger as well. Uh, This is Nick Troutman signing off and let's all go and have an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.